Hey, what is going on? And welcome to the very first episode of Sam Spin presented by Backseat Banter. My name is Sam, and this is my spin on how James Harden broke the game of basketball. All right, so for the past little while, we've been talking about James Harden on every single show that we have on Backseat Banter, on the Banter broadcast, every single place you could find us on Instagram, on Twitter, on YouTube, everywhere that we are. We've been talking about James Harden. There have been trade rumors galore. James Harden to Philly. James Harden to Brooklyn. James Harden to Miami. James Harden everywhere. James Harden, James Harden, James Harden. The beard has been in the forefront of our consciousness for so long now. Ever since the bubble even started, we posted a video on our YouTube channel. So please go check it out on Backseat Banter about where is James Harden going. But... We know how many steps he'll take to get there, right? Well, a lot of people think that James Harden travels on every single play that he does. It seems like he broke the game itself. Is that true? Let's break it down together. But first, I'm going to tell you a little bit about our partnership with Audible. So Audible is this streaming uh, program where you can buy or rent audiobooks and listen to someone else read something for you. I know that everyone's super busy and it's always so difficult to have time to really sit down and read a book, listen to a podcast even, because guess what? We are on Audible. You can listen to our show on Audible, on Apple, on Spotify, on YouTube, anywhere that there are ways to listen, you can listen to us. But Audible is one of those services and there's something awesome going on right now. So if you go into our description on any YouTube video, or even on our Instagram, you can click a link and that will take you to get a 30-day Audible Plus subscription. And it'll be helping out the show a lot because we get a little bit of a kickback. It helps support us, helps support what we do, and um, definitely supports this first ever episode of Sam Spin. So let me know what you guys think. But let's jump into the main topic, which is how James Harden ruined, or did he, the game of basketball. So changing rules has or to accommodate for a player has long been a thing, right? Uh, we could go as far back as, for example, Wilt Chamberlain, um, where all sorts of rules were changed for him. The The free throw lanes were widened because of Wilt. Uh, the, even the free throw plane was widened. You couldn't inbound the ball over the backboard. You used to be able to inbound the ball over the backboard. Um, and Wilt would just catch alley-oops and dunk it, and the other team would have absolutely nothing they can do about it. Will Chamberlain was that good. But rules of the NBA have been changing since the NBA began, since the ABA began, ever since basketball started to be played. Or don't forget, dribbling wasn't a thing when um, basketball was first created. You used to have to pass the ball before you got it. Um, so definitely the game of basketball has come a long way since it was created. So one of the big reasons that rules have been changing so frequently is because players find ways to exploit those rules. And um, before I continue, I want to read a fun quote that Wilt Chamberlain told Michael Jordan um, when they met in the 1997 All-Star game. He said, remember, Michael, when you played, they changed the rules to make it easier for you to dominate. When I played, they changed the rules to make it harder for me. And that is very true because uh, Michael Jordan got a lot of beneficial rules to him that made it harder for teams to hand check him, to foul him in hard ways with flagrant fouls and technicals. 
a lot of that pressure was increased on the defense, which made it very difficult to stop Michael Jordan. And now players are benefiting from these rules, and James Harden is one of those players that's benefiting from the rules. In fact, James Harden might be the most knowledgeable player of the NBA rulebook that has ever lived. And that is not something I say lightly because one of the greatest players in our generation is Kobe Bryant and um, may he rest in peace. But Kobe has been routinely known to study the NBA rulebook, to know what he can and cannot get away with, to know the specific definition of a, a travel or a foul or a pass or a shot even is because even some of those are not as simple as they might sound. They're quite tricky when you look into the fine details of what is a travel. So I have the NBA rules pulled up right here. It's on Wikipedia, and I'm going to read a few of them out to you, and we're going to see exactly where James Harden takes advantage of it. And a lot of other players. He's not the only one. Euro steps have existed for quite a long time. Remember, what James Harden does is basically an extension of the Euro step, although sometimes he does it in the backwards direction, which is quite unusual really his step back is really unusual we're not used to seeing that when an nba player does a, a two-step after stopping his dribble it's usually forward it's not changing directions the way that james harden does but let's read a little bit of the nba rulebook and really find out what's going on here so uh traveling is covered in rule 10 section 13 of the nba rulebook and yes the nba rulebook really is this giant document of rules and sections and you know bullet points under each section so it's quite a lot but we're, we're gonna go and read just the rules on traveling because that's what we're gonna cover today because sure james harden likes to flail his arms and flop and, and he likes hooking other players arms um under his on a shot but that's not what we're really going to discuss here today because those rules are changing by the minute we know kevin durant had the um the swipe through rule pretty much for him when you're gathering the ball you can't drag it out like that um before taking the shot that's no longer a shooting foul that is now just an out of bounds um but traveling is still the one that is being discussed the most so let's read it a little bit, okay? So Rule 10, Section 13, A. A player who receives the ball while standing still may pivot using either foot as the pivot foot. This is the traditional way that big men play in the post. We know what this looks like. No need to really dive into this. B. A player who receives the ball while he is progressing or upon completion of a dribble may take two steps in coming to a stop, passing, or shooting the ball. I'm going to repeat just the important part while he is progressing or upon completion of a dribble. And that is where James Harden gets you. Because the reason he is allowed to take seemingly three or sometimes even four steps or more is because of that completion of a dribble clause in the rule. What do I mean? So James Harden does not gather the ball. And I know gather is something that you've probably heard a million times, but maybe don't even know exactly what it means. So what it means is when James Harden is ready to take his two steps, he does not gather the ball. He does not end his dribble until at least one of those steps has been taken. And that does not officially count as a step. It counts as a step when the ball is no longer moving. And as long as it's moving just a centimeter, just an inch, if it's rotating anything, it is not considered the completion of the dribble. Now, I read through the rest of these rules, and we could go through them in just a little bit, but nowhere does it 
clearly define what the completion of a dribble is. And in that gray area is where James Harden operates. That's where all his signature moves, his Euro step, his step back. That's where all of those moves originate from. It's that the completion of a dribble is so arbitrary. Like he's really able to get away with it. So let's continue reading these rules just for a minute. A player who receives the ball while he is progressing must release the ball to start his dribble before his second step. So you are allowed to take one step before you even dribble the ball. So when the referee is counting steps in his head while he's watching James Harden play in real time, remember this happens fast. But in real time, while he's watching, he goes, okay, that's one step before he dribbles. Okay, there you go. He's dribbling now, and he's gathering now, and then he gets two steps after the gather. So that's why James Harden can make it look like he's taking four steps and never gets in trouble for it. And it's totally 100% legal, and it's frustrating to watch. You see James Harden weaving through crowds. He stops his dribble at the three-point line. Somehow he ends up in the lane, and he's making this crazy wild layup. And you think, I counted. There was like seven steps there, but nope. It's totally 100% legal. Let's continue. This is an important one. This is the definition of what the first step is. The first step occurs when a foot or both feet touch the floor after gaining control of the ball. After gaining control of the ball. I'm going to repeat myself. Again, it is not clearly defined what control of the ball means. The way that referees have been judging this uh, throughout the course of NBA history, and especially recently, is they check to see whether the ball is still moving. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to hold it with two hands because you can have full control of the ball with one hand. However, with one hand, it usually is still rotating. It's usually falling or raising up depending on what part of the trajectory of the dribble you're in. And James Harden really likes to play with that. So um, the first step occurs when a foot or both feet touch the floor after gaining control of the ball. The second step occurs after the first step when the other foot touches the floor or both feet touch the floor simultaneously. So the second step, James Harden hasn't figured out a way to manipulate that yet. That seems very clear. So first step and then whatever step comes after that is the second step. However, nowhere does it say what direction that second step must be in. And like I said, a lot of players, um, even recently, players like Manu Ginobili and Dwayne Wade really pioneered that Euro step where you're not just going in a straight line. You take a step to the left and then you take a step to the right and then you raise up or right and left. Um, but James Harden has used that to go backwards. He, he's really – and he's not the first player to have a step back. We, we can go all the way back. Players like Larry Bird and Michael Jordan and Kobe, a lot of players have used the step back. But not in the way that James Harden does because he incorporates the gather step into the step back, which really makes it look like he is just walking backwards. He's shuffling. And a lot of memes have been made about this. We know exactly what, what I'm talking about. But he's allowed to do that because – it is not considered control of the ball. So as long as the ball is not fully considered under his control in the eyes of the referee, he can take, and I mean this seriously, as many steps as he wants. As long as he is, the ball is moving slightly 
he can take as many steps as he wants. And those steps don't have to be short steps. They can be leaps as long as it's still considered him dribbling the ball. So let's move on a little bit to read a little bit more of the NBA rulebook and learn how James Harden manipulates this entire thing. And this is just, remember, one tiny section of the NBA rulebook. We're not even getting to fouls, which James Harden loves to draw. He lives at the free throw line. And a lot of people say it's an ugly way to play the game. So before we talk about the rules, let's talk about this. Is it an ugly way to play the game? Is it the way the game is intended to be played? Not can you do it, should you do it? He has been the scoring champion for the last like five years. James Harden has found so much success in this method, but it doesn't translate to the playoffs. So you start to wonder why. One of the reasons I think it doesn't translate to the playoffs is because, one, the referees are a lot more keen on the, the tiniest of details. Remember, it's the best refs working the playoffs. Whereas in the regular season, you can have rookie referees and people who have had problems in the past. You know, just the game. It's a regular season. It's a random Tuesday night in February, right? But in the playoffs, it's the best of the best. So they can catch him when he tries to take the gather step a little too far because it can't happen. And he has done it before where he takes it too far. But is it a good way to play the game? I think not. I think it's not a good way to play the game because he's not getting his teammates involved. He's not getting the the fans involved because there's only so much you can watch a guy standing, dribbling the ball for 20 seconds, and then you know pulling off this gather step move. Whether it's forward, sideways, backwards, no matter what, that is how he plays the game. However, if we strip the isolation out of his game and he uses this move, this higher understanding of the rule book within a motion offense or a triangle offense. I know the triangle offense has really gone out of favor, especially with what Phil Jackson did in New York, but the triangle offense is still very present in a lot of coaches um, offenses, including Steve Kerr, for example, the Warriors, they run a modification of, of the triangle offense, but without getting into too technical details, if James Harden was placed in one of those kind of systems, Ones where he's not dribbling the ball for 20 seconds at a time in an ISO with four shooters surrounding him. In a situation where he could play off of other star players or other competent role players, someone else who can handle the ball, where he can be a lead scorer, but he doesn't have to be a lead playmaker as well. In that kind of situation, man, that game would be so fun to watch. Because, yes, he's going to end up at the free throw line, and that will slow the game down a ton. But we watched the NBA Finals, and Jimmy Butler tore it up, and no one said it was boring to watch him shoot 12 free throws. And the reason that was the case is because he got to the line the way we traditionally think a player should. Right, He was aggressive, full head of steam, try to stop me. The only way you can stop me is to foul me. But James Harden doesn't do it that way. And that doesn't make it bad. Uh, one of the reasons he draws so many fouls is because other players, the defenders, who count his steps, think that the gather is his first step. So they think, well, okay, he's not going to take another one because it's a travel if he does. So I'm going to jump because that's how blocks happen. And that's how contests happen. You time the steps and you jump. But the timing gets thrown off when these gather steps get put into place. It's almost a half step. 
It doesn't count as a full step, and it doesn't really count as a zero either. So it's kind of somewhere in between. It's a gray area where players on defense have to account for it, but how much can you really account for? Because if you jump too late, it's a foul. If you jump too early, it's a foul. It is so hard. It is so hard to defend James Harden. Let's continue a little bit with the rule book and see what else James Harden has figured out um, about just traveling, just traveling alone. Okay. If a player with the ball in his possession raises his pivot foot off the floor, he must pass or shoot before that pivot foot returns to the floor. If he drops the ball while in the air, he may not be the first to touch the ball. Now, we know this is what a double dribble is in um, street basketball. Well, the double dribble is never actually encoded directly into the rulebook. That is the closest thing to a double dribble I think that you'll get. It's that once you get control of the ball, you must pass or shoot. You can't dribble again. But it's not actually called a double dribble, which is just another fun little tidbit of information there. Um, but... What James Harden does with these rules, and we'll we'll move on in just a minute from James Harden himself and, and go into the the greater uh, of the modern NBA. But all of these rules, if you haven't been able to tell so far, are very vaguely written. Some of them, sure, you you can say some of them are quite specific, such as the second step. Second step occurs after the first step. Okay, sure, that that one's kind of obvious. But some of these rules are so vague. And that's why players have had the entire game changed because of them. For example, um, let's bring in um, Charles Barkley. Uh, the Barkley rules. Uh, the Otherwise, and more maybe commonly known as the five-second rule. Um, Barkley backed players down for the entirety of the shot clock. And eventually he just overpowered them and threw them out of his way so that he could hit a tough post hook or or just a, a normal layup, right? He would throw players out, out of the way with his back to the basket. And the NBA said, no, this seems a little too, too simple. We can't let that happen. So they implemented the five-second rule where when you're in the lane, you can't have your back to the basket for more than five seconds. You have to turn around. You have to face up. You have to shoot past something. You just can't do what what Charles Barkley did. Um, but we see how before that change was implemented, there was never a rule that said you can't just stand there until someone walks away from you or push someone out of the way with your back. Because, sure, we have offensive fouls with elbows and your fists and your hands and all of that, but there's no offensive foul with your back. Well, you, you can't bump someone out of the way with your back to them. Surely you can't, right? Well, they had to change the rules to accommodate because Charles Barkley was dominating, and it seemed like there's nothing anyone can do. And another example, which maybe is even a greater example, is his... um. His co-star on, on TNT inside the NBA, Shaq. Uh, Shaq completely destroyed man-to-man defense while he was in the NBA. Uh, and that's because zone was illegal. You weren't allowed to play zone defense until Shaq came around. And Shaq was a freak of nature. We talk about Giannis Antetokounmpo now as maybe the modern-day Shaq, the, this freak of nature that's impossible to slow down. Um, you can just hope to contain him. 
But Shaq was a real deal, man. He would throw players around. He was so physically intimidating. He was the most physically intimidating player potentially of all time. Maybe Wilt Chamberlain. Because Wilt Chamberlain was also, you know, a man amongst boys when he was playing. But Shaq, for his time, what what was definitely the, the top dog in terms of physical talent and the gifts and abilities. So the NBA said, no, we got we got to put an end to this. How do we stop this guy who's just bigger than every single other player on the court in the world, really? Um, so they said, well, one man can't stop him. Let's try to throw two at him. Uh, so, so zone defense was allowed now. Zone defense was implemented to try to do something where you could throw two guys at him. You could throw three guys at him. And eventually teams figured out the strategy of Hackashack because he wasn't a very good free throw shooter. We know all about Hackashack. Um, so this is kind of the opposite of the James Harden dilemma, right? Uh, James Harden wants to get to the free throw line because he's such a fantastic th- uh, free throw shooter. Whereas teams wanted now to get Shaq to the line because he was such a bad free throw shooter. Although by the end of his career, he was actually kind of respectable for a big man in his time. Uh, he wasn't that atrocious by the end of his career, but in his prime, he, he certainly was not reliable to make even one of two free throws. He would make one or two free throws every other time. So you, you really had to foul him. And you had to foul him hard because if it was a soft foul, he would just get an and one and then have, what, a 50-50 shot at making the free throw where he doesn't even care. He already got what he wanted. The free throw would just be icing on the cake. Um, so, so definitely uh, some rules to be changed there for, for Shaq. And now going to the NBA because James Harden has had such a magnificent impact on the NBA. It's hard to even describe. And it's almost Steph Curry-esque because before Steph Curry, players were not shooting threes off the dribble. They were not taking 10 threes a game. That was not normal before Stephen Curry. And James Harden had a very similar impact on the game, although it's not talked about as much. And what I mean by this is players like Luka Doncic. He's in my MVP discussion already. It's only been a week. He's in my MVP discussion. He is that good, especially after they manhandled the Clippers. I mean, I'm a Miami fan, so I can't talk after they just got destroyed by the Bucks. But listen, it happens. But after Luka manhandled the Clippers, he's already firmly in my MVP discussion, of course. And a lot of other people, too. He, he's such a talented young player. It's only his third year in the league. He's ready to change the world. Uh, but his game is modeled after James Harden so much, almost to the T, except he's a much more willing passer, much more willing playmaker. Everything I said before about James Harden and how the isolation style kind of ruins his own ability to be effective, Luka got figured out. Luka's not the only player that uses the gather steps and the step backs. We can look at you know, the resurgence, maybe, of Damian Lillard in the limelight. A lot of people have forgotten how good Dame was until the playoffs, especially two seasons ago when he ended Paul George's career and then Pandemic P just put, you know, the nail in the coffin for, for Paul George's abilities. Although, to be fair, he's looking really good this year. Paul George is looking like 
he's back to almost MVP form, MVP runner-up form, like he was in Oklahoma. Um, but that was also the year that Dame ended his career. So who knows? But Damian Lillard has started to use the step-back move that James Harden is so known for, and that's really elevated his game to another level. It's no longer the simple one-two step-back. Now, now he's using that extra leeway, that little extra bit that you're allowed to do and it's taken his game to another level because he could already shoot it lights out from anywhere beyond half court. Uh, and now he's getting even more space. He's getting easier shots for himself that other players might look at and be like, yeah, I can't hit that if you gave me a hundred tries, but he can do it and he could do it easily. I'm surprised that Steph Curry hasn't started doing it more often. We saw in some shoot around Steph Curry tried practicing it but for some reason he couldn't get the footwork down maybe he's just such a great shooter he doesn't need any space although he's been struggling a little bit this year i know in practice it seems like he's making every three he takes but in the games on the court something seems a little off about him and maybe clay is is what's missing i know we talked about this in a previous episode so definitely go check it out um it was our first ever uh combination of football and basketball we talked about both in our previous episodes so go check that one out but something seems off about steph and about this warriors team but i'm surprised that he hasn't tried this aggressive push towards scoring that we've seen other guards around the league do. But it's not just guards. Back-to-back MVP Giannis Antetokounmpo. It seems like he doesn't dribble. No, seriously, think about it. It seems like he barely dribbles in transition. He gets the ball, takes two steps, and he's already at the lane. Now, part of that is because of his length. He is a freak, the Greek freak. Right, He is seven feet tall. He is so long and lanky, and his ability to take these long strides makes it almost impossible to defend him once he gets in the open court. But another reason he's able to be so good is if you do have a defender in front of him, he's starting to take notes. I know him and James Harden seem to have beef on Twitter, but on the court, you'd think they were practicing together in the offseason. You'd think that they had the same trainer and everything. like They were best buds because... Giannis really does take advantage of that gather step the way that James Harden does, only he does it in a more ferocious way. Where James Harden does it to get around defenders, Giannis does it to get through defenders. Because you have to foul him. There's no other option. And now Giannis does run into the Shaq problem where he's not the best free throw shooter in the world, but he's certainly serviceable. He can hit 65 to 75% of his free throws, It's not a good bet to foul him, especially when he finishes through contact so frequently and so easily. So what do you do? How do you stop Giannis? How do you stop James Harden? Do you change the rules? Is that where we're headed? If we change the rules and the way a lot of players play basketball is going to change, and it might not be for the better. We see guys like LeBron and Russell Westbrook And some of the top stars in the league, Kevin Durant, really take advantage of this gather stuff without even knowing it half the time. Most of the time it happens in transition, to be fair, where they're not really counting their steps. They have so much momentum carrying them forward. Things happen so fast, so quickly. The refs can't keep up. Maybe they don't enforce it, even if they change the rule. But what else can you do? If you can't change the the rules that the NBA is, is based on, Well, what do you do? Well, let's look at 
how other leagues are handling it. Let's start with FIBA, where I think FIBA has a little bit more strict rules. It's not as simple as the first step is after you get control of the ball. Let's look at FIBA. By the way, um, some of those examples of other players that I mentioned earlier that rules were changed from, that's from basketballnetwork.net. Just wanted to let that you guys know. I don't know this information right off the top of my head. I had to check it out first. Um, definitely a great source. Go look into it. They have so many awesome articles. This one was by uh, Philip Trevich, but uh, lots of awesome articles, and I'm using that one to help um, as the foundation for, for this episode. So go check them out. But let's continue. Uh, the the rules are all on Wikipedia. You, you can go on Wikipedia and see any rule book for any sports league, uh, at least professional sports league at least. Um, so let's look at what FIBA does, the International uh, Basketball Association. Traveling is the illegal movement of one foot or both feet beyond the limits outlined in the following. A pivot is the legal movement in which a player is holding a live ball on the playing court steps one or more – oh, sorry – and steps once or more than once in any direction with that same foot, while the other foot, called the pivot foot, is kept at the point. So you're allowed to pivot around however much you want as long as one foot stays on the floor, the other foot moves around. You establish the pivot foot, blah, blah, blah. We know how this works. Um, however, here's the, the next step, because FIBA does it in terms of pivot foots rather than in terms of first and second steps. And I think that might be the answer. So let's listen to this. A player who catches the ball while he is progressing or upon completion of the dribble may take two steps in coming to a stop, passing, or shooting the ball. If after receiving the ball, a player shall release the ball to start the dribble before his second step. So you get one step, just like in the NBA, and then you must release it. The first step occurs when one or both feet touch the floor after gaining control of the ball. We run into the same problem. So even though they use the pivot system as opposed to uh, just a simple one-two count, it still runs into that problem of after gaining control of the ball. Now, a lot of times you could say, well, maybe it's... NBA referees are trying to make the game more fun. They don't want to blow the whistle every time that a player breaks the rules. Sure. And you can hear from a lot of analysts, especially they say this, but referees back it up. If every single call was called all the time without failure, if we found AI machines to just sit there and watch basketball and call it accurately every single time, we wouldn't have a game of basketball. Because on any given play, probably 15 fouls occur and three step violations and maybe um, another three seconds in the paint and, and all of that. Because three people cannot observe all the happenings in an NBA game at any given time. So is it okay to let a few travels go? Real travels, not gather steps, real travels. For example, we saw um, a couple years ago, it was all over Shaq and a fool, and Russell Westbrook inbounded the ball, and he held the ball and started motioning with his hand the play, and he forgot to start dribbling. And he was like halfway up the court before anyone realized that he has not yet taken a dribble. 
can we let that slide? Or what about stutter steps when a player forgets to actually start dribbling the ball? We've seen this happen a couple of times. I think Carmelo Anthony had one of those moments where he did a stutter step without actually, you know, starting the dribble. And those get called most of the time. If you're LeBron, sometimes they let it slide. If you're Giannis, sometimes they let it slide. But you have to be the top of the top, the cream of the crop before they let anything slide for you. How much of that should we tolerate? while watching basketball how much of it eh, it's lebron let it slide can we take and what about players who aren't lebron should they tolerate it what about for example and i think to uh to the nba finals um when tyler hero was called for a charge uh where lebron drew the charge and on the very next play lebron tossed him out of the way and it wasn't a, a foul at all. Not a blocking foul, not a charge, nothing. It's a no call. Just let it be. And you start to wonder, okay, well, which stars get a real preferential treatment in the NBA rulebook? And it's hard to tell because we've seen other stars, uh, for example, DeMarcus Cousins in his prime and Draymond Green in his prime, who kind of get the short end of the stick, where they get less calls than the average player because they've built up this reputation. They're a loud mouth. They're, they trash talk. They play kind of dirty. Uh, Patrick Beverly is not a star player, but also fits into that mold of dirty trash talkers. They'll, they'll do anything they can to win, even if it's not 100% clean and within the rules of the game. Um, and referees kind of ignore them sometimes. They get tossed around and the referees look the other way. They swallow the whistle. How much did reputation matter in the way a game is refereed and called? Do rookies have an advantage in this case because they're so clean slate? Or do some players have a disadvantage in the way games are called? Is James Harden able to get away with some of these because the referees are just used to him moving that way? But when a new player, like, for example, Luka tries it, he might not get the same love because, well, James Harden always does that. You don't do it all the time. What about other new players coming into the league? What about Zion Williamson? He's the biggest hyped prospect of all time, maybe more so than LeBron. And you know the NBA loves to put his face on everything. He had a Christmas Day game in his first real season because last year doesn't count, does it? He played like 20 games, and most of those were in the bubble. This is his first real NBA season, and he got a Christmas Day game. That's the most primetime slot you can get in the NBA nowadays. Does Zion get away with things? Can he travel and no one calls it? Probably not, because he's still a rookie sophomore, right? He hasn't learned the game the same way. That's what a lot of people will say, right? He hasn't figured out the veteran tricks. You know, how you can take an extra third or fourth or fifth step. He hasn't studied the gather the way that players like James Harden and even Kobe and Ginobili and waited before him. What about John Morant? John Morant is a freaking transition. I was swayed on a previous episode, so go check that one out. Is John Morant a top five point guard in the NBA? I was swayed. Uh, I was... Kind of skeptical of that idea, but I think he's the fifth best point guard in the league in his second year. Again, not counting the, the fake point guards like Doncic and uh, Simmons and even James Harden. We're not counting the and LeBron. 
LeBron plays point guard half the time, but we're not counting those. Real true point guards. I think John Moran is the fifth best point guard in the NBA. I was swayed. I was swayed. But is he allowed to get away with travels? I don't think so. I haven't seen him get the same kind of love that players like James Harden do get. And he does it maybe in a more sloppy way because he's not as refined yet. He can't control his speed. He run. He ran into the, the John Wall problem, right, of when a player is so athletic and so fast and can't control it because they're so young and they just are so used to outrunning everybody. And now that they're in a league of other professional athletes who are equally as strong and equally as fast and can jump just as high, it's hard to control yourself because you feel like you need to push it just a little more than normal to get by those guys. And it's a really hard process to do that. But if John Morant refines his, his gather step, his gathered dribble, watch out. That's all I'm going to say. Watch out because there's no way you're going to stop that guy. Just like Luka. Just like Luka Doncic. Where, how are you going to stop him once he fully refines it? His, his game is so refined for a third-year player. I know it's because he played overseas and he was a champion and MVP and all that overseas. But come on. We're talking about the greatest league in the world. The highest level of competition you will find anywhere on a basketball court. And he's already doing this in his third year. He is so refined at these little rules. If we could talk about more rules in the future, let me know if on the next episode of Sam Spin you want to hear about more uh, NBA rules and how different players are manipulating the rule book to get more success. But a lot of these young guys have really taken James Harden's lead and advance the game in a direction that I don't think a lot of people thought it was going to go. Remember, it was only 10 years ago that isolation basketball in the mid-range post-high block area was the, the way to go. When Carmelo Anthony was dominating the league in scoring from, from the elbow, and players like LeBron weren't allowed to shoot threes. Greatest player in the world. He was barely allowed to shoot threes. He would only take them when the team was down with two minutes ago and needed a big spark fast three-point shooting used to be for role players for spot up players they were never going to be the star of the team right look how far we've come and as much as we got to thank players like dark nowitzki even uh for for developing the stretch big and steph curry for developing players to just shoot off dribble from as far as they can Let's not forget James Harden's impact and the way that he has made us redefine what a travel is, how many steps you're allowed to take, what a dribble is. He has really changed the game. And wherever he ends up, wherever the rumors pan out to be, um, some team is going to get a transcendent, once-in-a-generation type of player. And I don't say that lightly. Anyways, thank you guys so much for watching. If you want to find us on social media, uh, we're backseat banter on backseat.banter on Instagram and at BBPod Official on Twitter. We're also on Sports Me. It's a fun new app um, where we're sharing our takes in, in these little 30 second formats. It's almost like TikTok, except you have direct interaction with us. If you want to react to any of our takes, Sports Me is the best place to do it, I think. Also, check out our YouTube um backseat banter uh although we are rebranding very soon to banter broadcast so definitely check that one out um big things coming in season two um also don't forget audible 
Uh, I mentioned it earlier, but if you use the link in, any, in the description of any of our YouTube videos or Instagram or Twitter or, or anything else, you can get a 30-day free membership to Audible. And if you like it, I definitely consider staying on. Audible has some great stuff, but it also helps the show out a lot. We get five bucks for every sign-up, even free sign-ups. You don't have to pay a dime. You give us a little bit of incentive to keep going. Um, you don't even have to pay. It'd be great if you did. Uh, because you'll get an awesome service, but you don't got to. Try it out for 30 days for free. Seriously, think about it. Anyways, this has been um, the first ever episode of Sam Spin. Thank you for everyone that watched. And let me know. We got some big things coming, especially on this show. I got some big things coming for y'all. Um, we're going to do a one-hit wonder series, and that doesn't just mean music. We're going to do some sports one-hit wonders as well. I'm thinking Lynn Sanity and a lot more to come. All right, anyways, thank you guys so much for all the support, and I'll see you next time. Peace.